pretty good reflection of uh, how leading up to Sunday has gone this week. Tell you what, we're going to pray, and we're going to try this again, <laughs> all right? This will be a great worship fail video for the future to any YouTuber that wants to throw that in there. Man, there it is again. Are we all right back there, guys? All right. Good deal. All right. Father God, we just thank you. God, you are so good. And it is our heart's desire to just worship you here and now, Lord. God, we long for you. Meet us here in this place, God. It's all about you, Lord. And in your name we pray, amen. Round two. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Hey. Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all This is a failing love 
everything worked this morning tested it and made sure it worked myself <laughs> maybe that was the problem should have had somebody else look at it all right, all right tell you what um, let's let's not with those let's just keep it clean To the cross I look To the cross I cling Love its suffering I do drink Love its work I do see For on it my Savior Both bruised and crushed Show them God is love And God is just Let's sing at the cross At the cross you beckon me Draw me gently to my knees And I am lost for and so Lost in love I am sweetly
this undeserved life have I been given through Christ crucified he's called us out of death you've called me out of death you've called me into life and I was under your
Man, God is so good. I'm reminded right now that no matter how well we may plan or plan things, some things are out of our control. And that's okay. Things don't need to be in my control. They ought to be in his. And I believe they are this morning. So we're just going to sing this last song. And it's called Gratitude, and it's just a praise song. And I hope that wherever you're at this morning, wherever you're coming from, you can share some space in your heart for gratitude toward our Savior. He is worthy of it all. For he loves us and pursues us when we are most unworthy. Oh, my world's fall short. I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do, but every soul must and you never. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for the key. Except for hearts singing hallelujah, hallelujah. I've got one response. I've got just one. With my arms as wide, I will worship you. So I throw my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a Sing out this next part. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside. 
side of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord Sing again Come on my soul Hold on to get shy on me Lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs Oh, precious is the Lord. 
greater than our plans, that you are greater than any feat that we may hope to accomplish. God, you are so good and we are so unworthy of it. But God, despite distractions, despite plans falling apart, God, God, you've continued to move in this place and I pray that you continue to do so. As we go from worshiping you in song to worshiping you in your word, God, continue to just reign over this place. God, I pray that you would give Pastor Jacob the words that he needs to speak with boldness and clarity. God, that it would just be evident that it is you speaking through him, Lord. God, and open our hearts and our minds that we may be receptive to what he has to say. God, that we may hide it in our hearts and be changed by it. God, that we would never settle for less than all of you. God, move in this place this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Good, good. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, the thought that had crossed my mind is, you know, if you came to church today looking for perfection, you're in the wrong place. Uh, we don't claim to be perfect, we claim to serve a perfect God, and we are a group of people who are really just striving to be more like Him. Um, we love God, we love His people. And all their shortcomings and all their strengths and everything in between. But it's, it's phenomenal because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. People who were just really desperately trying to understand and find him. And uh, they, those who sought to find Jesus and find truth, they found it. And that's the promise of scripture that if we seek him, we will find him. And so we're going to be in Luke 22 today. Luke 22, starting in verse 14. We're going to be going over the Last Supper. Um, it's the last dinner or the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples. And uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of things kind of leading up to this. We know this happened right before um, the crucifixion. And so it was kind of his last hurrah with the boys, right? 
and he was fellowshipping with them. And, but if we are going to understand the Last Supper, we need to, in a sense, understand the First Supper. And that would actually take us back 1,400 years to where the Israelites were trapped in captivity to the Egyptian people. They were slaves. The Israelites had been slaves for 400 years. And God called a man by the name of Moses, and he says, I want you to go, and I want you to deliver my people from Pharaoh. I want you to deliver them from oppression, from bondage, from slavery, much like Jesus, right? God sent Jesus, the Father sent Jesus and says, I want you to go and deliver the people from their bondage and their slavery and their suffering. And so Jesus came, and he sought to seek and to save the lost. But Moses, 1,400 years earlier, Moses would go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Pharaoh would say, absolutely not. And so Moses and God orchestrated this plan to, to deliver the people. And there were plagues. And there were ten plagues. And each time it says that Pharaoh's heart would grow harder and colder until eventually God said, listen, I'm going to send one more plague. It's going to be a tough one. I'm going to kill the firstborn. But there is a way to save the people. You must find a spotless lamb, sacrifice it, and smear the blood on the doorpost. And when the angel passes over and sees the blood, that household will be saved. And that was the covenant. That was the, the old covenant. That was the understanding that there were sacrifices for our sins, right? And there was a sacrifice of blood for our sins. And it delivered the people. And, and that was the first Passover because the angel passed over the door. And that house was safe. And so 1,400 years later, Jesus was celebrating the Passover and the Passover often lasted a week, and they would celebrate, and, and it was a time for friends to get together, and it was a time for all of Israel to kind of gather in Jerusalem, and they would celebrate the deliverance from Egypt. They had been passing these stories down for 1,400 years, from generation to generation, going, this is who our God is. He delivers his people. And they were anxiously and, and patiently waiting for the Messiah to come. And so every time they would celebrate the Passover, they would anticipate the Messiah. And so this brings us to the Last Supper. And Jesus is, is hailed as the Messiah. He has his triumphal entry, which we normally talk about on Palm Sunday. And he would enter into Jerusalem, and they would cheer, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they would celebrate him. And then he would sit down and have a meal with the boys one last time. And he would do some things that were kind of out of character. For this great leader, for this Messiah, he would get down on his knees before them. Each one of them, and he would, he would get down and he'd say, let me wash your feet, boys. Let me humble myself. And we know the story of Peter, right? Peter's too good for it. No, Lord. Don't wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless you let me wash you, you won't be clean. He said, then wash my whole body. You see, this is the last time. These are the last things he gets to share with his disciples. It's small. It's 
an intimate setting. It's fellowship at its finest. And so we're going to pick up in Luke 22:14. Luke 22:14. Scripture says this: When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. I love the word there reclined, right? Cuz I have this recliner at home and I love my recliner. And uh, I sit in my recliner, I kick the feet back, Kaylee brings me a sandwich because she's an awesome wife, right? Yeah. And then my son crawls up in my lap and eats half my sandwich. Yeah, it's, I like this idea, this, this um, picturesque moment of reclining back and just hanging out with friends. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he said this. He said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after that, and he said, Take this cup, which is poured out for you, for this is the new blood or the new covenant in my blood. This is the new, this is the new equivalent of spreading the blood on the doorpost. This is the new Passover. This is the new celebration. This is the new deliverance. Before God was delivering his people from man-made systems and structures from oppression, from bondage and slavery. This time, this covenant was promising deliverance for our souls. The promise of a promised land in heaven. Not just something physical here on earth, but something that would transcend the things of this world. But as he's doing this, they don't really understand. They don't grasp the gravity of it. But we on the other side of it, we understand that Jesus would go to the cross. He would give himself for us. Why? So that we would no longer have to suffer under the oppression of sin and our enemy, the devil. But we could live free of our bondage. Today we will be taking communion. And maybe you've taken communion here, maybe you haven't, but there's some things that you need to understand about our church um, that might be different than where you've come from or your background. But first off, we believe that communion is the open right of all believers. And for that reason, the only prerequisite for taking communion today is a profession in the person of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're a professing Christian, we welcome you to take communion with us today. And if you haven't got one of those communion cups, uh, by the end of service we'll get one for you. But we invite you to be a part of it. We believe it's for all Christians. Second, in accordance with 1 Corinthians 11, we think it is important that when taking communion, each person, each person should take time to reflect and examine themselves. We, we want to take time for that. And so after the sermon, before we take communion, we're going to give a time where you can examine yourselves, do some reflecting, maybe some prayer. Because we want to go before God in this ceremony 
pure hearts, with a clear mind of what we're doing, that we are celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The third thing I would say is that we believe communion is a means of grace. And let me explain what that means. This means that as we act in obedience to God, he will help us grow in wisdom and knowledge of who he is. And so you might be here today and you might be taking communion for the first time or you might be taking it for the first time in the way that we do it. What we're asking today is that you would be obedient to the Spirit, that you would be obedient to the call of God in your life. And in so doing, we believe that God will begin to open up new aspects of your heart and your mind with new revelation to understanding who He is. That's what we say when we say it's a means of grace. God imparts grace on us and we grow in that knowledge of who He is. But we ask the question, why communion? Well, first off, because God desires it. I love the part in this passage where it says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Now, this is speaking to the 12 disciples. He's particularly speaking to the 12 disciples, even the one who would betray him. He desired him too. He cared about him too. But it also goes so far as to say that God desires you. I want you to pause for a moment. I want you to think for a moment. The God who created all things, the God who spoke the world into existence, desires to be with you. And he desires that you would be with him and that you would be in fellowship together and that you would love one another. Right? Why do we get married? We get married because we desire to spend forever with somebody. God desires to know you and to be known by you and to be in relationship with you and to fellowship with you and to recline with you. I love that imagery there, to recline with you. The other day, I, uh, my, my wife allowed me to hang out with one of my good friends. She stayed home with the kids and me and my buddy, we went out and I walked in his door. I said, hey man, I'm on my way. He said, the door's unlocked. And I walked in the door, and there he was, reclining in his couch with a blanket over his lap. Because here's what he understood. Our friendship was close enough that he understood he didn't need to meet me at the door. The door was open, and I could just come in. The friendship was close enough. It was intimate enough. So he was just reclining there on the couch with his feet up on the ottoman. He said, hey, man. I got a blanket over there too for you if you want to sit down and recline a little bit. I said, yes, that sounds like a great idea, but first, let's go get steak. And he said, better idea. I said, awesome. So we went out and we got steak, and we were eating dinner, and we just talked about life. We talked about work. We talked about our spiritual health. We talked about our mental health. We talked about our wives in a good way, in a good way. We didn't complain about them. We talked about our kids and how hard it was to be a dad. We were vulnerable and we were real. You see, the Last Supper wouldn't have meant as much had Jesus not spent the last three years with these men being vulnerable and intimate and sharing the struggles and sharing the trials of ministry. 
You see, they were excited to be in his presence because Jesus was the person who listened to them. They were surrounded by a group of people who shared the struggle. That's what the church is supposed to be, people. A place where we share our struggles. But it's interesting because God desires to be in fellowship with us. Micah 6.8 says this, He has told you, old man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. It said that in the Garden of Eden that God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day. And ever since Adam and Eve disrupted that nature with sin, God has desired to restore that relationship so that we may once again walk humbly with our God. God desires to be with you today. He desires to know you intimately. Psalms 46.10, it's a familiar passage. It says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we keep running so fast because we know that if we slow down, we have to get intimate with God. And the truth is, sometimes we don't want to be still with God. And yet God desperately desires for us to just be still and to know him. He loves us so much that he desires to spend eternity with us. Do you know anybody that you want to spend eternity with? I know maybe one person, and I can say this sincerely, I like my wife. Outside of her, I'm, I'm my kids, yeah. But he loves you so much, he wants to spend eternity with you. And he is doing everything in his power to spend eternity with you. But because he's a gentleman, he still leaves that choice up to you. And so you still have to choose him. There's still an aspect of choice involved in this. But 2 Peter 3.9 and it, and. Anybody who knows me knows this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't. He wants you to come to the end of yourself and understand that he is the only way. But he doesn't want it just for his glory. He wants it for your good. Because he desires you. He created you. He knows what's best for you. So first and foremost, why we take communion is because he desires it. The second reason we take communion is because we need it. And in order to understand that we need it, we need to think much beyond one Sunday every couple months where we drink an ounce of grape juice and a wafer. It's bigger than this. This is how we commemorate it, and it's an important ceremony, but it's much bigger than this, people. It's much bigger than this. We need communion. And in order to understand that, let me give you the definition of communion. Communion is defi defined as the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts... And feelings, especially when exchange 
is on a mental or spiritual level. We say, well, we're going to take communion, and the first things our mind go to is, well, we, we need to get the communion cups. But what if it began, and we said, you know, when we heard the word communion, we thought, fellowship with the people I love most. Meeting new people, building new relationships, fostering healthy environments for our families and our children to grow. We need communion with one another. We need communion with one another. Last week, uh, I had the opportunity along with some of the the worship uh, leadership, and we went and we uh, sat down with Corey Asbury. Uh, If you're not familiar with Corey Asbury, he's the one who wrote the song Reckless Love that we sing from time to time. And so we went and we were at a concert. And before we had the concert, the church opened up a room for us that it was at. And we had fellowship with the leadership team there. And we played some games and we ate some pizza and we did a devotional. And we just communed together. We had a little communion session. We shared our heart on a few issues. We laughed a little bit. But then we had the opportunity, because of Pastor Jonathan, we had the opportunity to go and spend some time with Corey Asbury before his set started. And he had a Q&A session, and it was, it was myself and probably 10 or 15 other people, and they just asked us, you know, you know, if you could ask a question of Corey Asbury, and this is somebody who's been in churches all over the world, leading worship in different capacities. And I asked him, I said, What do you think the church needs to do better? Like, what do you think the church as a whole needs to do better? And he paused and he thought about it for a moment. He says, we need better community. We need better fellowship. We need more sitting around the table talking about our struggles. We need authentic relationships in the church. Not just something where we come and we go and we never exchange names and we never get to know people. But we need more intimacy around the table where we can just talk and get to know each other. And as I began to write this sermon, I thought of that and I thought, man, it's what we all need, right? We need more intimacy around the table just talking. This is the striving goal of the Christian life. Not just to know God, but to experience God through the fullness of authentic relationships. How many of you would say that you have an authentic relationship in your life where you can sit down with someone and share your heart and laugh and have fun, but also have the really tough conversations? Do you have someone speaking truth into your life? Are you sharing your heart with someone? This was the intended purpose of communion. It was so much more than an ounce of grape juice and a wafer. We do this in remembrance of him. We recall his sacrifice. But our calling is for real, authentic relationships rooted in love and built on truth and vulnerability. That's what communion should represent. It's so much more. It's so much more. Communion should never be taken alone. I, I just I, I, I got convicted of this today. And I know that we commune with God. But really, everything we see in Scripture, it should be taken in a group of people that you're able to be vulnerable with. That you can share your struggles with. Because communion isn't just about you and God, it's about you and people. 
That's part of the reason 1 Corinthians 11 says to examine yourself. Because you have to ask the question, if I've been bad to a brother or a sister in Christ, can I really say with, with wholehearted understanding that I acknowledge his sacrifice? Because Jesus came to restore relationships. So if we ignore the relationships in our lives when we take this, then we aren't honoring the blood and the bread. Or the blood and the body. If anything, we're dishonoring it. Because we can't say that we love God and then hate our brother. It's about relationships. There was a vulnerability in the upper room and an intimacy among friends. Here at Capital City, we strive daily to create spaces for intimate fellowship. Are you involved in intimate fellowship with people in your church? You say, Jacob, you know, I'm just not getting anything out of the church. Well, what are you putting into it? <laughs> are you connecting? We're given plenty of opportunities. Let me give you a few. Work days. People go, man, I don't want to show up to a work day. I got to work. I work six days a week or I work five days a week. I don't want to show up to a work day. We had 50 people here yesterday for work day. Yeah. We were, doing we were doing stage work, light work. We were doing mulch. We were cleaning. We were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Why? To increase our impact in the community and in the church. But there's another reason that since I've come here, we've begun implementing these work days. Because I understand that there is no better way to build relationship than to be shoulder to shoulder with somebody working on a project. Because you'll talk about things. Because no one wants to work in silence. It's weird. But we're learning from people. We're growing from people. We're struggling together. We're, we're, we're thinking through things. We're problem solving. Work days. It's a great way to build relationships. Thrive groups. Thrive groups. Man, we've been pushing these and pushing these. And I'm going to continue to push these. Every week we have between 50 and 60 people involved in Thrive Groups. We'd love to see that number get higher. Why? Because that is where you really connect. That is where you really grow. Because as we've said before, it's hard to grow in the 75 minutes that you're here on a Sunday, give or take. You come in, you sit next to someone you may or may not know, and then you walk out the door and you go get lunch. And so it's hard to really connect. And then you come and you go, the church just isn't working for me. Because you're not connected. We want more for you. And so we open up opportunities. And, and Thrive Groups Thrive groups start again this Wednesday. And you can still sign up. It's on our website. There's all kinds of opportunities. If you have a bulletin, it's on the QR code there. But it's a great way to commune with one another. And if you're going to last as a Christian, you need real, authentic communion with other people. You need real relationships, people who are going to hold you accountable, people who are going to challenge you, people who are going to love you, people who are going to cry with you, people who are going to share a good meal with you, people who are going to make you laugh. You need those things because that's what God desired, and he desires it for you. Road trips, man, I'm going to talk on this for a moment. One of the things I loved as a youth group in youth group is road trips. We'd, we'd go somewhere for the youth group. And then when I became a youth leader, 
we would take the kids on youth group trips. And the youth group can probably attest to this. I'm a lot of fun on a road trip. You can hear the youth group over here. But man, that's where, that's where relationships are built. Good music. Got to stop off and get some good snacks. And the thing is, in the midst of all the goofing off, when things settle down, you find room to talk about the real struggles. What's going on at home? What's going on at school? What's going on with friends? What's going on with God? You see, if we're going to grow, we need to position ourselves in places of growth. I love taking the teens on, on road trips. Stopping at the gas station, getting them all hyped up on sugar. Putting on good music and just rolling down the street. Because that's where relationships are built, right? No one, wants, no one wants to skip right to the heavy conversations, right? Like, don't you love people like that? You've never met them before and they want to like dive into your personal business and like, bro, I don't even know you. Ease them into it. Ease them into the hard conversations. Just get to know them. That's what Jesus did. I'm fully convinced that Jesus cracked some jokes. I'm fully convinced that he had a good time. I mean, his first miracle was at a party, for goodness sakes. I think the guy had a good time. Mission trips. Man, you don't know how to build better community and communion than to go on a mission trip. You're sleep deprived. You're tired. You're, you're on an adventure in a new place. You're sharing a bunk room with a fellow brother or sister in Christ that snores like a freight train. And you're going, Lord, give me peace. Amen. But we're all laughing. Why? Because we all, uh, our minds went to a moment where we've served with a brother or sister in Christ. And we go, yeah, those were good times. Those were good times. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to commune with one another, but he also wants us to commune with him. Sunday worship, man. And, and I got to, God bless Colton, because that man put in so many hours this week. Like, can we give Colton a hand? He was here, he works a full-time job. He was here more hours than I can count this week. And, and so for that to go wrong the last minute, I know how heartbreaking that is. But I will tell you, we have a top-notch worship ministry here. And God is blessing it more and more every day because people are putting in the time, they're creating community, and we're building something for the kingdom. And so we lift our hands on Sunday morning and we praise God and we become vulnerable with our friends and our family. And we commune with God. The upper room was nothing without the three years that God, that Jesus himself spent with all the disciples doing all these things. They had work days. They had small group settings. They had road trips where they had nothing to do but to walk from town to town. And they just talked about life. They ate good food. They went on mission work to different communities. They worshipped God in the synagogues. And then they'd get together in the upper room from time to time and they'd fellowship. But this time was special. And Jesus said, I earnestly desire to spend it with you. Find people who earnestly desire to spend time with you. 
and want to keep you right with God. There is so, there's no such thing, and I want to say this, there's no such thing as an antisocial Christian. It doesn't work out. I just, I, I, don't, I don't see that in Scripture. God created us for relationships. Communion is God expressing his desire to be with you and his desire for you to be with other people. And so today, as we begin to transition the service into a time of reflection, and we're gonna, I'm going to ask Colton to come up, and as he's coming up, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you from 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 says this, 11.26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so that's what we're going to do in the next few moments. We are proclaiming that we are thankful for the Lord's sacrifice on the cross. That's what we're proclaiming. But it's not just the death of Jesus. We are also proclaiming his life and what he did and how he taught us to live and, and the community that he created. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the blood and the body of Christ. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So there's a few things I'm going to do. One, Colton's going to play, and I just want to open up a time. The altars are always open. You can sit in your chair. But I want you to be still for a moment. I want you to examine your heart and say, Lord, if there's any wicked way in me, reveal it. Maybe you need to repent of something today. Maybe you need to just open your heart and be vulnerable with God for a minute. But scripture says that you are to examine yourself before taking this. And here's something, I, I, this, I want you to be sitting next to somebody you like. And if you move, don't take it personal. Maybe they just want to sit with somebody else they like. But you should be doing this and partaking this with somebody you love. A brother and a sister in Christ who proclaim the same thing. Because it, it's about God's desire for you, but it's also about his desire that you would commune with others. And so we're going to take this time and I'm going to pray for you. And then I just want you to take this time to reflect. And then we'll come back up and we'll go through the process of communion as we celebrate it here. But just take this time to reflect. Maybe bring a friend to the altar that you want to pray with. Maybe go tell someone across the sanctuary that you love them. But examine ourselves today. Dear Lord God, as we enter into this next portion of our service, I pray that you would reveal any wicked way in us. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to the things of you. Reveal to us, Lord God, what it takes to be more like you. Help us to commune with our brothers and sisters in Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, my word.
that's for sure I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do but every soul must end, and you never knew. So I throw my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a got just one move with my arms stretched wide I will worship you so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again cause all that I have is For hearts singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, my soul, oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord Come on my soul Don't you get shy on me Lift up your soul You've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord Come on my soul Come on my soul Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord oh, Hallelujah. 
are relatively simple um, there's a wafer on top and then there's the cup and so you just peel back the plastic the first layer and you get the wafer the second layer will get you to uh, the grape juice there remember these are just these are just elements it's where our heart is that matters and we do this to honor and to seek God. We, doing, we do it for revelation, that he would reveal more of, of himself to us as we act in obedience to him. But we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 11. And uh, the Apostle Paul is given a testimony of, of the Last Supper and explaining to them the value of what they're doing. So does everybody have theirs before we move on? And so what I'll do is I'll read through this, and uh, I'll say the portion uh, of when you're supposed to eat and when you're supposed to take this. We want to do it together, um, but I'll have, a, I'll, I'll have a prayer, and then I'll say you may take the, the, bre- uh, the bread. And then I'll say, uh, I'll say a prayer, and then you may take the blood. And so I'll instruct you all the way through the process, all right? All right, let's, let's see what Scripture has to say. 1 Corinthians 11.23 says this, For I received from, you, from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Bow your heads with me. Dear Lord God, as we begin to partake in this Last Supper, this time that you spent in fellowship with your disciples, the time you seek to spend in fellowship with us, may we remember, Lord God, that you broke and gave your broken body for us. 
so that we wouldn't have to suffer in eternity separated from you, but that we might come into right relationship with you. In your name we pray, amen. You may now take the bread. Verse 25 goes on, it says, In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is the new covenant. The new covenant says that if you place your faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ, his blood will wash away all your sins. And you will be with him in heaven. That is what we declare when we take the body and the blood. Bow your heads with me. Dear Lord God, may we never forget your sacrifice. Lord God, with this blood, may sin and darkness pass over us. And may we come into new light. May we have life eternal in you. Thank you for the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. You may now take the cup. desire is also that you would be in fellowship with others. So I pray that you would leave here today not only seeking to know God better, but seeking to know and love your neighbor as yourself. Bow your heads one more time with me. Lord God, as we leave here today, may we go out knowing a little bit more about you and seeking to know a little bit more about our neighbors. Help us to grow in our relationships. Help us to love one another and help us to be kind. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Please stay seated. I'm gonna transition over to Pastor Jonathan and then we'll dismiss you, all right? communion with me this morning. Uh, my heart is full of gratitude as I sat there and got to listen to uh, my brother preach and the wonderful worship service that we had together. Uh, just thought of how fitting that song was that we sang before communion. Uh, all that we have to offer him is praise uh, for all that he's done for us. Uh, we've got a few things going on that we want to share with you just before you leave today. And we'll, we'll move through them kind of quickly here. But uh, the first is that the youth group is going uh, on a spring uh, retreat in the spring in May. Uh, and they are uh, raising funds for that trip. 
and so you can support them by uh, checking out the table outside there. We just kind of moved some stuff around, I know, but uh, if you go to the hallway, you can find uh, that there will be a team there at the, at the Welcome Center. They'll be uh, selling some stuff. It's, it's Little Caesars. Some of you might not want to make your own pizzas, but there's cookies for sale in there, too. And if you don't like any of it, just give them your money anyway. Um, uh, this Wednesday, listen up, this is, the, this is the one thing that you don't have in writing anywhere. We're going on a mission trip in August. Pastor Jacob's leading that. Uh, the informational meeting for that is this Wednesday. There's no sign-up. There was no email. Uh, deadline just came up quickly, and we realized that if the, those that are interested are going to need to meet quickly. So if you're at all interested in uh, going on the mission trip with the church in August, you need to be here this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And if for any reason you cannot be here for that meeting, please contact Pastor Jacob uh, right away so that he can make sure that you have all the information that you need about that. Jacob did an awesome job today at talking about Thrive Groups. Yeah, you can give him a hand. He, he did a great job all the way around, but uh, especially talking about Thrive Groups. There's two, if you don't know what a QR code is, right, it's just a barcode you scan on the front of your, on the front of your bulletin today. It's there, and if it's your first time joining us, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So if you scan uh, the QR code or fill out one of the cards at the desk outside uh, in the hallway, we've got uh, a little gift we'd love to give you to take with you, and um, we'd love for you to know more about being part of this family. Uh, but Thrive Groups do begin this week, which means some of them start as soon as Monday. There's a QR code for that on the back of the bulletin, or you can just check out our new website, which I highly encourage anyway. Uh, it's looking pretty sharp. It's got a lot of good information for you. We're trying to keep you as much in the know as we can, but um, Jacob's right. We, we've got to do, if you're not doing life together, you're not really doing the Christian life. Um, so find a group to be a part of. We've got op opportunities really all through the week to be a part of that. Um, and if there's not one that's out there um, at the time that works for you, then you need to think about being a Thrive Group leader and hosting one at a time fits for you and find some people to do it with you. Um, last but certainly not uh, least is Easter Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday. We're so thankful that uh, Jesus Christ began that journey uh, so many years ago uh, on Palm Sunday, uh, leading into the things that J Jacob preached about this morning. But this coming Easter Sunday, we will have an Easter egg uh, hunt for the kids. Um, that'll be during Children's Church while we're worshiping, so you don't have to come early or stay after, anything like that. Um, so we've got that for all of our kids that are outside of the nursery age up to fifth grade. Um, so a little bit of an extra incentive maybe to invite someone. Um, we're going to be baptizing people, which is just awesome. I love that we're getting to do that on Easter Sunday. We have a sign-up sheet for that at the information desk as well. So um, if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, he wants you to get baptized. It's a step he wants you to take. So if you haven't done so, uh, please consider signing up so we can chat with you this week and help you uh, fulfill that part of what Jesus wants you to do for your life this coming week. Uh, Easter Sunday morning is the easiest invite of the year for, to get someone to come to church with you. And as I was headed up here, God just laid this on my heart. Invite them again. Invite them again. I know you've tried. I know you've been worn out with them. Maybe you've said some kind of prayer like, God, I'm turning them over to you. So many of you are the product of somebody not quitting on you before you came to Jesus. This next Sunday could be the Sunday 
that they give their lives to Christ. So whatever excuse that the enemy's trying to put in your way as to why it won't work or why this Sunday won't be any different, just ask. Times are different. People are thinking about God a little bit more, I think, today than they have been. Uh, we've got a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on in our country, in this world. Um, and Jesus said that that would be the case, wouldn't it? But uh, he said he overcame the world, and so he's going to help us do it as well. So be bold about your faith this week and invite somebody to be with us on Easter Sunday. Uh, let's, let's just bow our heads. I'm going to say a prayer of blessing over you, and we'll uh, get out of here. Lord, we thank you that you bless us and you keep us. We thank you, God, that you bestow peace upon us that passes all understanding. Lord, help us to recognize and be sensitive to the, the voice of your Holy Spirit that points out those things that interrupt our peace from day to day. Thank you for your grace that doesn't let us stray too far, God, and your mercy that receives us when we come back. God, I pray in whatever way that people need to receive you today, Lord, that they would know that you're watching for them, that you're looking for them, that you love them, that you earnestly desire fellowship with them. Help us, God, to have that same desire for fellowship with you. Bless this people as they leave this place today. In Jesus' name, amen.